I'm John. And I'm Keith. And this is... Plummetiddle. Shat. <laughs> Your somewhat reliable source of information for... Most, most shat. Most right, things. <laughs> and, hey, we shat it all over that. Right, right at the beginning. Right at the shat. beginning. And if you have no clue what we're talking about, uh, head on over to our former Flumadiddle Facebook page and check out our video. We have changed the name, Keith. Yes. And it's just a fun name to make it a little bit easier to remember. You know, four-letter word, shat, but it stands for Science, History, Art, and Technology. And we're hoping someday to have some chat chats like they have TED Talks, right? <laughs> yes, we and, do. Uh, want to give uh, Amanda, your lovely wife, yes. credit for that name. She came up with that. Yeah, chat chats. That's chat pretty good. Chats. Yeah. So, and go ahead. John. We've been thinking about that for a while. You know, we love the idea of Flumadiddle, and there's a few thousand of you guys who have enjoyed that too, and we appreciate that so much. And Flumadiddle's not gone. No, Flumadiddle's not gone. Flumadiddle. It's the parent company. It's like imagine that we're Google, except we're not. So we're not stealing all of your information or taking all your data or anything. So oh, don't no, think about that. We're way better than Google. But just imagine Flumadiddle is that overarching banner under which the Shat Podcast now sits. Yeah, like Alphabet Google, right? Right. That's sure. What you was getting Absolutely. At, right? yeah. yeah. So there you go. So anyway, that's it for the full story. Yeah. You know, head on over and check out the video. Uh, I think this will be easy to remember. The bottom line is that when Keith and I would say, hey, our podcast is Flumadiddle, the first look was like, what? Yeah, and they couldn't even repeat it. Couldn't even spell it. Yeah. Yeah, Like all of our regular listeners, you know that it's one M, not two, because two is a dessert, John. But the average person doesn't know that. So we have gotten a lot of laughs, and we're going to get a lot of mileage out of the chat name for our podcast, Keith. And uh, I think people enjoy it. I think people enjoy it. So. Right. What is the first type of shat that we're going to talk about, Keith? Well, man, this will cover some art. It'll cover some technology. It also covers science and history as well, Jake. Yes, it's it just does. a whole um, shat, uh, what would you say? Conglomeration, uh, yeah. umbrella, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm stretching. The whole wheel. I don't, I don't know what the I'm doing. The wheel keeps it turning yeah. round and round. Anyway, it covers all of the shat. It covers all the shat. But it is skyscrapers, Skyscrapers, Keith. So let me tell you what a skyscraper is, Keith. Okay. So for our podcast today, we're not going to argue over semantics with people. Right. But for our podcast, initially, skyscrapers would have been approximately a 10-story building that had some kind of steel girder system for its primary structure. Right. Now, that was early on. Late 19th century, now to be considered a skyscraper, you got to be at least about 150 meters and about 40 floors. Okay. So we'll just—it's a big, gigantic, multi-storied building, and that's where we're going to start. So Keith, but you say steel has to be a part of it, pretty much. Yeah, for yeah. the beginning for, yeah. of what for our modern, for modern skyscrapers, which is what we're talking modern, about, which today. is what we're talking and about, and that's what today. we want to just kind of define what we're talking about today. So right. you know, but man, I've been excited about this one because skyscrapers sure. just awesome, man. Like when I drive into a big city, even today, like the kids are always on their phones these days, you know. But I'll I'll get them off their phones by hey, look 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 at the hey, like, check look out at that the skyscraper. Yeah, building. it's a man made landscape, right? It's a, exactly. a sky, uh, cityscape, is what you cityscape. call it. And, Absolutely. Um, so anyway, and for those of you that are listening in cities that have these things, you're probably jaded a little bit, and you don't think about them. So yeah, you just you get used to it. Just yeah, like we you get do. Used maybe to the it. mountains. So maybe here this podcast will kind of just give you a new perspective, and you kind of just exactly. look up and be like, "Huh, yeah, I hadn't really noticed that before." So right, we're gonna talk about them today. What's some of the modern skyscrapers we have today, John? Oh, so the modern skyscrapers. So let's we're gonna start off with the biggies, huh, for today? Yeah. Well, some of the larger skyscrapers today. What is it? The Burj Khalifa? Is that how you say it? 
I guess Burj so, Khalifa. Yeah. yeah. All right, so it's that's the big one in Dubai, right? It is now currently and has been since 2010 For, the tallest building yeah. in the world. Keith, how tall is that building? Just over half a mile, John. Good 2,722 foot for you American listeners and for you European and Irish listeners, 828 meters tall. Crazy, Keith. Um, that is all, that is over half a mile tall, Keith. Yeah. Half a mile in the air. That is nuts. That's very, very tall. And um, that is the tallest building in the world currently. It was built in 2010. It was. Um, it has a $217 million fountain right outside of it, Holy John. Oh, goodness. Uh, it has an observation deck at 1,483 feet. Um, so that was the tallest when it was open, but now that's actually surpassed by the Canton Tower, which is 1,601 foot. Um, it has a nightclub on the 144th floor, John, and has a restaurant on the 122nd floor. So, man, what a what an amazing building, right? Yeah, there's some suggestion Beautiful nowadays too. that these skyscrapers, you know, when they first started out, and we're going to get into this more, but just real quick, when they initially started out, it was generally about real estate concerns. Right. You know, you're in solving downtown a in a big city yeah. solving a problem. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of arrogance and a, my building's bigger than your building kind of thing going on with Chrysler and GM and Sears and that kind of thing in the early days too. But, you know, if you've only got a limited amount of space, right, you can build up or out. Right. And there's some technological innovations that came around at a certain time, which we'll get into, that allowed us to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think the thought is now that some of these bigger buildings – you know, it's not just office buildings or apartments. Right. They're building shopping centers. They're building apartment buildings. They're building parks around them. They're building kind of almost like this environment where you can just live here and you don't have to go anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, and it's true. You really could. And uh, and they're building them as status symbols, right? Like it, well, they it's are. putting their place in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I don't Which know if this ever got built, yeah. Keith. I know, but there was some talk on, a, uh, on some stuff I was listening to where at some point the – building in uh, Saudi Arabia was supposed to surpass the Burj Khalifa. So I don't know if oh, it's really? just not finished Maybe not. or if they made it shorter than it originally intended. Yeah. But anyway, Keith, I'll let you go on from there. Well, what, what's what the tallest want? one in America? All right. America. So we know we had a, a very terrible situation back mm-hmm. 9-11. And um, in the remains and the rubble of that, America has built the sixth largest in the world. In the world. Right. One World Trade Center. But it would be the tallest in America. Tallest in the United States. It stands at 1,792 feet or 546 meters. Yeah. And um, occupied 1,268 meters. It was built in uh, 2013. Um, and also in America, the Willis Tower has the most floors in the U.S. And that's uh, 1,354 feet or 413 meters. Okay, so it's got more floors, but mm. I guess it's just shorter, whatever's. Right, yeah. And so it's kind of, you know, depends on how you want to define it, right, on which one's the tallest. I think the tallest right. is the tallest, but some people say what well, needs to be occupied space, you know. Right. So because, like, if you if you don't have occupied space, you could say, like, the Washington Monument, you know, is, is a, it's is really a skyscraper. Tall, sure. You know, it's not really a skyscraper. Well, it's not occupied space. You it's know? not. We may mention just in passing some of those buildings when we hit history and trying to build monuments maybe to the gods or up to the sky, that right, kind of thing. Right, yeah. Um, so the tallest roof height 
is Central Park Tower at 1,550 or 472 yeah, that's meters. That's the 13th tallest in the world, Keith. Right. But it only has 98 floors. So that's so kind of that thing, you know. Gotcha. So it just depends on how you're defining it. Uh, a few more notables in the U.S. You got Trump Tower at number seven. Uh, everybody knows that one. The Empire State Building is a real famous one. That's number Absolutely. nine. And the Chrysler Building is a real famous one. That's number two. They are. And, yeah. you know, the Empire State Building, if I'm not mistaken, it held the tallest building in the world thing for, gosh, I, I listened earlier, checked it out earlier. I want to say sometime between 25 and 40 years, mm-hmm. it was the tallest building in the world. Not by much over, I believe it was the Chrysler Building. Yeah. I'm maybe getting my facts wrong, but then they built like the big, tall tower on top just to kind of make it be right. a little bit bigger or look a little bit taller. Yeah. Again, Keith, we want to remind people, just because we've changed our name doesn't yeah. mean that our overall situation has changed, which we are never going to be more than your somewhat reliable source of information. Right. We do as best we can with we the time we We do as best we, we can have. with yep. the time we have. Um but also, like, if you want to just kind of Google some pictures and stuff like that, look up the Shanghai Tower. Um, it's just as far as architectural design, it may be one of the most unique. It's twisted, John. It's well, twist that's a new thing, Keith. Kind of neat, yeah. You know, one thing we'll get into maybe, or if not, we'll throw it in there now. Part of the big thing about – we're going to go back and we're going to hit some history here. Mm-hmm. But part of the big thing that made skyscrapers possible was this idea is that the outside structure – the right. walls were not bearing the load, but yeah. an interior situation, whether that's steel girders or whatever. So the taller buildings now have like these spirals in the middle, kind of like, say, mm-hmm. a bundle of sticks or something like that. That's the, how I heard it put. The bundle tube design. The bundle tube mm-hmm. design. All right, we'll get into that more I think more the later. Willis Tower may have been one of the first ones to oh, use Oh, was that. it? Yeah. Okay, there you go, Keith. Look yeah. at Keith is more than somewhat. I'm I'm just somewhat reliable. And that's Keith. that's what the um, the one in Dubai is. It's a bundle tube design. And, but they're a bundle tube spiral. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that spiral they found, I mean, imagine a building that tall in the air. There's a lot of wind load against it. Right. You know, when winds kick up and start going, I know about winds, man. We've got a big oak tree 70 feet tall, and... Big limb fell out on my garage this week. Yeah. It wasn't twisting. It just broke. So this idea, if this building can twist instead of sway, right. it reduces yeah. that wind load on it. So I think the newer ones are that tube, bundle tube design with like the twirling, yeah. the twisty kind of thing. And that was part of it. That's know. scientific. Twisty. Twisty. And, um, you know, in overcoming some of the challenges, some of the challenges they had to overcome was they, they had to support their own weight. You know, you're talking about wind. They had to be weather and natural event proof or natural nature event proof um fireproof is a big deal right that's a big deal we'll get Um, more into that later and also plumbing can be real tricky so it's something they had to overcome absolutely and getting people up and down we'll get into that too you know a lot of these engineering things but you know throughout history you know we've had skyscrapers i think one of the big things they had to overcome john was just the design i mean like you look at things like the pyramids in Egypt, which were the tallest structures for the longest time, you know, like thousands of years. Um, you look at them and you think, well, they can only go so high because you have to go out to go high. Right. Which is how what they think the uh, Tower of Babel in the Bible, how it was built. You know, Joseph, is that how you say it? Joseph? Josephus. Josephus. Yeah, he was a Josephus. historian. If I was uh, live back then, I'd be Kephas. Kephas. <laughs> <laughs> Some of my cousins actually call me that, Kephas. Yeah, I don't know. Why. There you go. Uh, but anyway, Josephus, um, he wrote about it, and so that's kind of how he described it. Was It was like about as wide as it was tall. 
you know, and nobody really knows exactly how tall it was. You got different accounts of that, anywhere from, you know, um, 646 foot tall to some accounts saying it's over eight miles tall. So, that might you be know, a stretching that, a little. Yeah, that might be a little bit of legend coming in there. But, stuff. yeah. So, but the idea is these big buildings, though, right? Yeah. We're reaching up. They were reaching, we're reaching up. up towards the heavens, even. But the foundation had to get wider as they got taller, which really limits you. And it so, limits your space. Yeah, it like does. when you see a pyramid, it's this big, giant, tall structure, but there's this little inner sanctum, which is like the tomb for the pharaoh. Right. Yeah. Or it's even mentioned, Keith, that there may have been uh, Roman apartments or Roman buildings as high as ten meters. Or no, not ten meters. I'm sorry, ten floors tall, but that the walls may have been like nine feet thick. Oh, yeah. Because they're load-bearing. At that time, those walls had to be load-bearing. So Mm -hmm. all throughout time, what's some other tall buildings? You got anything historically going on? Maybe we skip Mm. forward a long time. There was some middle age, late Middle Ages stuff. But then you get to stuff like even like the Eiffel Tower or the Washington Monument. But these don't fit skyscrapers because they're not inhabitable, workable buildings that people can do stuff in. And so there was this cat. His name was George A. Fuller. George A. Fuller. He and made guitars, I think, with Leo Fender, didn't he? Oh, did he? Yeah, there you no, go. No, that's Fuller. Too. Never <laughs> mind, my bad. So George A. Fuller, he's often described as the father of modern <clears throat> skyscrapers, John. Bless his heart. <laughs> you, don't, you think that's a bad thing? No, not necessarily. I'm just... I'm just, <laughs> <Bless his> heart. <laughs> I'm just like I'm just spouting off chat as we yeah. go along. In the South, when you say bless his heart, it's not necessarily a good thing. No, it's like, Lord bless him. Bless it, yeah. Like, he just ain't quite right. No, but, I didn't mean it that way. But anyway, um, this guy, he was, a, he was a visionary man. He was born in uh, Templeton, Massachusetts in 1851, and he studied architecture classes at MIT. All right, MIT. And um, so he graduated at age 21, 1872. And the first thing he did, John, was he built mansions at Peabody and Stearns. Okay. Um, but he quickly rose up in, in ranks, and uh, he rose to partner over the New York City office. And about the same time, you know, it was about 1876, about the same time, a few things happened. Um, so one thing, John, that we talked about was steel, right? Yep. They kind of— revolutionized the process of making steel. Right. And it was called what process? The, the Bessemer process. Right. The which Bessemer. We've got a Bessemer near us, which, mm-hmm. by the way, if I can interject, yeah. before they get to this point, they've started to build some bigger buildings, mm-hmm. some taller buildings, but they're made with cast iron. So think of like the stuff that your grandma's skillets are made out of. Right. The problem with cast iron is that it's, it's heavy. iron. It's heavy, yeah. It's heavy, and it's... It's not flexible. It's right. brittle. It's brittle. It yeah. breaks. So you take that mug up 15 stories and have a storm come along. This is going to break over in half and fall down. Yeah. It's not twisty. So, so there are some – there is the um, – there's a building. Its name escapes me now. But actually, I think it was in New York. It was called the Cast Iron Building. Oh, wow. And so, yep, that's it. James Bogardus. He built the Cast Iron Building with a rigid frame of iron providing the main support for upper floor and roof loads. But that's a problem. You can only go so high with that. But this Bessemer process, and the name escapes me, Keith, because, you know, we only have so much time to study for this. Yeah. But there, what happened is this. So you got your pig iron, and you're making it into steel. You're decarbonizing it. You're running it through this process. It makes it lighter. It makes it stronger. It makes it tensile. And so there was another guy, it seems like, in the U.S. at the same time who was – doing a similar process but if i'm not mistaken he like got bankrupt oh, okay. and so bessemer kind of stepped in there 
<clears throat> Excuse me, y'all. I've been a little ill here the last uh, little while. I'm better now, but I got a little phlegm here. So if you hear me clear my throat, <clears> throat> do not be worried. I'm all right. So anyway, so Bessemer created this process mm-hmm. by where you could create steel, which was cheaper, lighter, and stronger. Yes. That's the first architectural kind of thing. Now, we're going to get into there's also other things like reinforced concrete and yeah. what Keith is about to talk about now. Yeah, but steel was a big deal. Like, the steel just to was give you an idea, deal. John, from in, the 18, in 1860, I think they were selling a few thousand pounds of steel. By 1900, they were selling 11 million pounds of steel. There you go. And so what happened was this process, like people like Carnegie picked it up and was able to mass produce steel. And so the need was there, just the product wasn't there. So the product was provided. And uh, a few other things happened. Uh, Chicago was leveled by a great fire in 1871. And so that gave a big opportunity for George A. Fuller. So he started the George A. Fuller Company and raised $50,000, which in today's money, John, would be $1.2 million. That's substantial. And so he would help out with those construction efforts, and he he created a new process of basically he created the general contractor process. Okay. So he would do all the construction in-house, so he was like a general contractor. Um, And then also um, the – the Otis elevator break was invented. Oh, that's a big one. So they, that was in 1853. And so they had elevators, but they wasn't very safe, right? Yeah, and nobody so, wants to be on an unsafe elevator. Exactly. A lot of people don't want to be in an elevator anyway. Right. But, but at least, you know, we get on them now and we pretty much we trust them. Confident yeah, we feel that, confident. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, probably worst case scenario, we're going to, like, get stuck on one for a few hours, you know, and, and be kind of mad, oh, you know. that'd be terrible. Um, but that's, like, worst-case scenario, you know. Um, they're generally not going to fall and us die at the bottom of elevator shaft. I mean, because of the we hope not. Elevator, be elevator break, right? Correct. So this made living and occupying these tall buildings possible. Exactly. So just all this stuff just kind of come together. And then 1883 – the Brooklyn Suspension Bridge was built using steel cables, John. So we're seeing steel being used as a real building material and just the, the usefulness of it. And so this gave Fuller an idea. He said he said he wanted to build a building that had a steel skeleton. And so in 1889, that's what he did. He completed the first building to have non-load-bearing curtain walls. And the building used a steel cage to bear the load of the building. It was called the Tacoma Building. So let's jump back before that. Mm-hmm. Because in most history books, yeah, when they talk about it, they, they don't argue about it. But generally, the William LeBaron Jenny Building, the 10-story home insurance building in Chicago, was the first to use steel girder construction. Okay. So it's generally considered the first modern right. skyscraper at 10 stories with steel girder construction. Now, Tacoma Building had some positives over that jenny's skyscrapers employed the curtain wall the outer covering of maple and it's affixed and supported by a steel skeleton but i think there was still if i'm not mistaken maybe some masonry stuff on the outside right it really depends on who you talk to right or what history website you look at right on whether it was the tacoma building or the the one about five years before but they were both in chicago right Yes. That's kind of where it started because mm-hmm. that Chicago style of skyscraper 
It said it was built everywhere from Florida to St. Louis to New Zealand. And I mean, and that great fire had a lot to do with it. You know, you got to rebuild. When they're let's, rebuilding, let's rebuild exactly. with new stuff. You and know? guess what? Steel doesn't burn as much as wood, for sure. For sure, right? all, yeah. And so, what else? If you've got this steel skeleton, so like we talked earlier, if you got nine foot thick walls that got to be ninety miles wide, right? I mean, you can only build up so high. But if you're building this steel structure, which now certainly has piers beneath the ground, kind of anchoring it down into the ground and stuff like that, and that's bearing the load, now we can move up. But when you get ten or twelve, twenty levels tall, what else you got to have, Keith? You got to have you got to be able to get up there. Not everybody's going to run up and down those steps. You got to have those elevators. You got to have plumbing systems. Yeah, and then even things like the electric lights. Right. To get up there, you gotta have light in these places. They had to figure out all these things. And There's a lot of stuff going on, Keith. But you know, I think that's how innovation happens. You kind of start with what you want, and you figure out all the details as you go along. You know, I think a lot of times I get stuck on trying to figure it all out first. You know. Oh, I do too, man. And but like these people, they just kind of start, and they're like, "Hey, that's what we want. Hey, well, now we got to figure out this obstacle and this obstacle." And, let us encourage you out there. You got some kind of idea, you know. Start on step one. You don't have to know step yeah, 17. Exactly, because I'm guilty of that. I need to hear that. Yeah. yeah, I got to have it all laid out. But, hey, start with the one. So, um, anyway, oh, Mr. Fuller, George A. Fuller, he died of ALS, actually. And uh, he was only 49 years old in the year 1900. He's worth $3 million, which in today's money was about $100 million. So he did pretty well for himself before he passed. Um, the author of the... F- I don't know how you say that. Flatirium? Flatirium? I don't know. Anyway, he said that Fuller was a pivotal figure in American engineering and design. And on a side note, John, we had a podcast about Edison versus Tesla. You remember yes, that? Yes, we did. Oh, I Wars. remember it. Yeah. Well, well, we talked about the 1893 World's Fair, right? Yes, we did. You remember that? That was pretty cool. The world That was an awesome year for the World's Fair. Um. And that's the same one that um, Westinghouse and Tesla supplied power to, um, which was a huge deal. He actually helped build that. George A. Fuller helped build that World's Fair. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So cool, man. Kind of a, a combining of the podcasts there, I guess. Right, right. All right. What else you got, the John? Fl- oh, wait a second. Was this on number nine, what you're trying to read, the author of the Flatiron? Yeah, is is that what it says? They don't flat say iron. Flatiron. Flatiron, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's a famous <laughs> building, man. It's like a national monument now. You see it on lots of stuff, that building in like New York that's like a triangle type thing. Oh, the Flatiron. Okay, so he, flat he wrote iron, a book man. about the Flatiron? Yes. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, that triangle building. Yeah, that was an interesting building too. That's one of my favorites, actually, because um, what's well, a national monument at this time? Yeah, well, I just I, I like the way it looks, and it's just kind of neat how they just use the space that they had. They're like, right. hey, we have this little corner. We have this Let's corner. Now we can do this. Yeah. Now we can put these girders in the middle and do this. And that actually, John was, I mean, it was pretty remarkable to the people around at the time, like because you got this building that's kind of flat looking if you're looking on the side. And right. people actually thought that it was going to blow over on top of them. They were scared of it. Right. And um, I heard that there was police reports of um, small businesses down the street that claimed that they had wind damage because the flat iron created like an aerodynamic tunnel on each side okay. for, for the wind to go to down. Blow. Yeah, to blow down there. And well, so, that's possible. I wouldn't yeah. say they weren't lying or telling the truth either one. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, yeah, that was that's a very interesting building. 
So um, there's the art stuff we're not getting into as much because there's, I mean, like any topic we have, we've only got a certain min- amount of time and we got like 30 minutes yeah. talking to you guys. But at this point, when they have the basic structural stuff down, you know, when you've got these steel cages, so mm-hmm. now the outside walls are not load bearing, you can build these things up, 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 up higher. Right. All right. So now the facade is really just kind of decorative to cover yeah. the outside spaces. You hang and them so like curtains. You can hang them like curtains, and that's what it's called, a curtain wall. Yeah. So And so... You can do a lot of different things. You can do a lot of different things, and there's all kinds of styles from the Art Deco stuff to what's called neoclassicism. Yeah. And then it became a very starker, more modern look, like with the glass, just the yeah. smooth glass on the outside. So what's your favorite, John? We're kind of getting into some of the design, and what, what's like one of your favorites? I don't know. I think that um, that flat iron building is really cool. Yeah. I tend to just lean towards a vintagey thing. Yeah. I think that with some stuff like the um, the biggest ones, like the Burj Khalifa, I don't know. I, they're t- to me are just a little overwrought. Yeah. And just a little bit much. <laughs> see, I like man. that. I like that. I like the you know over the top. It's like guitars. When I see guitars. And I see that simple classical line with a nice little wood binding. It doesn't have a bunch of blingy stuff on it, but you know a craftsman made it. Right. That's my thing. Now, there's also ones that that same craftsman made that has all kinds of fancy stones and mother of pearl and all that stuff. But kind of the more fancy and gaudy it is to me, the more I'm like, eh. Yeah. There's a part of me that likes that, too. I do like the classical, but there's a big part of me, too, John, that's kind of like that. Like what I was saying when I go in all of driving into the big city and seeing the big buildings, you know, I like the the more big and spectacular they are, the better to me. My favorite probably ever was the actual World Trade Towers that that got smashed, you know. Oh yeah. In the terrorist attack, I I just thought I mean those are classic. They were tall. They were, but I also liked the simplicity of them. They were just square, you know. They were straight up just towers you know square on each side and they were they were mirrored glass and so it just had this real modern sleek look to them i just and being two of them too i thought that was cool twin towers i mean so i that was probably my favorite ever you know i hate they're not around anymore but i do like the one they built to honor them you know it's pretty too but right yeah so now keith we can say this for sure that the skyscraper for the first i'd say safely least the first 60, 70 years, mm-hmm. I won't say distinctly American phenomenon, but very much started here in America. Oh, yeah. You had to have that Bessemer process. You had to have that steel, something lighter weight, something flexible. Because when yeah. you start throwing something 1,000 feet in the air, I mean, well, you've I got mean, lots you look of forces. At, you look at cities over there in Europe like London, Rome, different places like that. They, they still don't have them. I mean, they're just like... It's not they a thing there, really and I don't know them. if it's an environmental thing or if they were just able to spread out as opposed to have to go yeah. up. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, because I mean, you got to think about when it all happened. You know, the New York City population was booming and exploding, and, and this so was, was like Chicago a, a solution to the problem. Right. Whereas, like London, they've been around a long time, wrong oh, yeah. too, and so they already solved those problems in different ways. You sure, know? but so. now. Even though the U.S. phenomenon of skyscrapers boomed to the 60s and 70s, now it's really the Middle East and Asia yeah, that are is. booming. Yeah, because we've got two of the tall, two of the top 25 maybe in the U.S. 
But now you've got China has the second one, but they've got a lot of skyscrapers in China too. Yeah. Uh, in places like Dubai. Tokyo. You know where the most expensive real estate in the world is, Keith, at this time, I believe it is? Hong it's, Kong. Oh, yeah. You've got so much packed into the small area. Wow. So it's booming there. But still, if I'm not mistaken, when I, I was checking and seeing the cities that had the most skyscrapers, still you've got like the U.S., like New York and Chicago, are still up towards the top in terms of who has the most skyscrapers. Right. Just because of where it's been done. But there's some concern as, as whether this will continue into the future. You can only go so high. And the economics of this is... I want to see how high we can go, though, you can, You've got to, you've got, though, but here's the thing. I want to see somebody 20, beat it, and then I want to see somebody beat it again. Well, as of 2018, that may be different now. Yeah. But as of 2018, which is five years ago, granted. Right. But at that point, I think it said the Shanghai Tower in China yeah. was only between 40 to 60% filled in terms of, like, rentable space. Yeah. So a lot of it is empty. Yeah. You've got to sell this space before you ever ever build this building. And there was a point in time where you could do that. And uh, and that probably ebbs and flows depending on the economies. It does. I imagine the last few years, especially if you started building. Imagine if you started building the skyscraper, which I'm sure there are some, in 2019. Yeah. And you're selling space, and then, bam, the pandemic hits. Right. Supply chain stuff happens. So maybe that's part of why I want to see it. You know, it is kind of a symbol of we're doing good. You know what I mean? The times are good. You know, or a symbol of that we're wasting too much money on these big job oh, buildings that nobody's money. gonna no. gonna move into. The status the status is a waste to go to the moon bigger too. than well. <laughs> we could get into that, and it may or may not be. Yeah. But what else are we gonna do with our time though, John? I don't know, man. <laughs> we're gonna learn to play guitar better than we ever have before. That's yeah. what John Guthrie's gonna do anyway. We could. I mean, I guess we could feed the hungry or something. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. You know, <laughs> exactly. And and you know what? In stuff like this, and who, I, you know, I don't want to make fun of it because there are people who definitely criticize the uh, like the space program and stuff like this. Right. And there are pros and cons. And we don't want to minimize that there are issues and concerns about this. But our primary thought when we talk about this is to address the technological and engineering feats. Right. And those are really neat. Whatever you think about. Yeah, the let's other look on the bright situation. side of things, right? I mean. The uh, the first time we went to the moon, it was a large chunk of our GDP, our national GDP, that it took to go to the moon. And this time when we're going, it's this much much smaller chunk, right? Sure. We're much cheaper in in relative terms. So, yeah, let's just look on the bright side of things, right? We have we have made it cheaper on to the go sunny to the moon. Side. Maybe we can make it cheaper too side. to build these buildings. You know, I mean, heck, still the process, right? That made it cheaper. Right. right. Who knows, man. Wow. I make a plastic building or something. So, Keith, would you want would you stay in a plastic building, John? If it was stronger than steel, a hundred stories. It depends. Thousand stories. High. You know, they say like plastic some buildings. of these composite beams. Yeah. That are made out of stuff like epoxy and hemp and plastics and stuff. Some of these things are stronger than steel. Wow. And if they're more tensile than steel and they're not going to crack and break open, well, then they might be more environmentally conscious, stronger, see, and cheaper, Keith. I want to see the first plastic skyscraper. One of the Shat members out there is going to do it. <laughs> I love it. They're going to create the first Hey, if nothing else, skyscraper. of all the Shat that we spout off here, yeah. if we could inspire anybody or, right. or like inspire anybody's imagination, that's what part of this is about, Keith. Imagination. Absolutely. What can you dream of? Yeah. I don't Imagination. know. Imagination. That's what SpongeBob said. Imagination. <laughs> I like it. I, hey, foster your imagination. And imagination, 
that's built on love and peace and connection with others. Yeah. What you got to say? You got anything else to say about tall buildings? Nah, I think I got it. I mean, I think I'm good. I can ima- imagine that guy from Alabama goes in, boy, that building sure is tall right there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. And like, you know, I didn't grow up around tall buildings. So I know I'm like a like a kid in the candy store when we go into like a big city or right. something, you know, and I'm like, ooh, ah, but I don't care. I like that about myself. I like I it, like man. the wonder that I have when I see those things. Absolutely. And hey, we're John and Keith, and we're able to leave tall buildings in the city. Absolutely. All right. We love you guys. Thanks for listening in. All right. Shout out.